What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Joe's Talks. Today we have an exciting episode with none other than Michael. What's up? What's going on? Glad to be here. So yeah, Michael, today we'll be speaking on behalf of a grad student. And as you know, in this series, we invite youth with different experiences and identities to give us the hard details and the cold facts behind what's happening. So super excited to talk a little bit about grad school. So let's get right into it. As always, I'm your host, Ahmed. Number one, Michael, so give us the deets on what university and program are you currently in? Uh, I'm at uh, York University in the uh, Socio-Legal Studies program, PhD. Um, yeah. All right. Very nice. Um, this is York University in Toronto, Canada, just for the listeners out there. Yep. So, you know, to get to this stage, what was sort of the brief summary of your educational path? You know, how did high school, undergrad, master's or whatever else go? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I had a less than conventional route to, to grad school. Um, I think like most students uh, from my background, I was sort of uh, uh, streamed into sort of the applied program. Uh, I think some students, I, I think they discontinued that, but, um, you know, back in the mid-2000s, that was very much a practice and uh and it was rather difficult to get into university once they sort of put you on that ap- applied stream. Um, so I actually went to, to uh, college for a year um, and then transferred to York after that. Um, and then I, I kind of liked the university experience and I decided to do my master's uh, right after. Um, and then I took a bit of a break uh, and then went back to, to do my PhD. Um, for various reasons um the primary reason being uh i just really enjoyed the classroom and just learning and there were some fascinating research that i myself wanted to do um and thought the university was uh perhaps the best place to do that um but, but yeah but speaking frankly it was a it was a bit of a circuitous route that i took to to get through this level is certainly not the the most traditional uh, form, but yeah, that's uh, that's kind of how I ended up here. All right, very nice. It's always nice to hear um, less than orthodox ways people yeah. get into where they are. Right, it's not always a straight circuit or a straight route. Um, yeah. Just to segue on something you already mentioned, but why did mm-hmm. you choose this particular current university and program? Or well, some fascinating points about it. Um, that's a good question. I was looking at a few programs, um, uh, mostly looking at uh, you know traditional disciplines or what are called traditional disciplines like political science, sociology, you know those those big uh, uh, those common disciplines. Um, but you know, in all honesty, they didn't really excite me all that much. And and, uh, and other universities I looked at didn't really uh, you know wasn't I didn't feel it was conducive to my own interest. Uh, this particular program um, and the faculty within the program uh, was something that I found quite interesting, primarily due to the fact that it was such an eclectic and diverse uh, group of faculty, right? We have faculty from uh, various disciplines all sort of coming to form this, this program. So there was a higher 
a diversity of opinion, of thought, of uh, of research interests, of methodology, and so on and so forth. So I think that that was the key reason why I chose to do this program is because it was very much interdisciplinary. Um, and the students within the program also came from a, a variety of, of disciplines, right? We had students come from criminology. Uh, I personally come from political science. Uh, we have students from uh, sociology, et cetera, et cetera. So it was also a, a more exciting classroom experience for me as well, right? And and, and yeah, I think it's just the eclectic nature of, of the discipline and I'm oh, sorry, of the program um that that was uh, that was the reason why I chose this particular program all right very nice I think that gives some thinking points to the young listeners out there if you're mm-hmm. considering grad school what are things you should look out for and what you know would benefit you in these programs and institutions next um observing you know the process and going through it what would you say are some general requirements kids should know about getting into grad schools and then more the nitty-gritty what skills and sort of uh, hard skills and soft skills should potential candidates try to develop well in terms of what is required um you know obviously that's going to vary from program to program um but in in my experience what I, you know, what I found was um, key wasn't so much, you know, how good of a student you are in your undergrad, although that's, of course, you know, very important, but it was more about compatibility of research. Um, by that, I mean, is your research interest something that is, um, that goes with that particular program so are there you know faculty who may guide you in, in that research or are there uh, you know professors with this with this, the same or similar research interests which may um which may help you develop your own research question and methods uh, uh further right so i think when looking at grad school um surely you should look for what is required and it's hard to give sort of a concrete answer because all programs are different but I think I would really gear my focus towards um, how compatible your research question is to the available resources of that particular department to which you want to apply to. Um, in terms of skills that one ought to develop, I suppose the, the most obvious one is uh, is doing research, particularly academic research, right? So if you plan on uh, going to grad school, um, learning how to access, you know, databases, how to how to you know uh, create citations, and, and and you know some of those minute details that I don't think enough undergrads uh, really understand, right? I mean, ITA for uh, ITA for uh, for a second year class, and I see these errors all the time where students are just you know not able to do you know simple academic research, uh, you know, for an essay or something like that, right? Which you know, if you if you don't develop those skills at, at the undergrad level, it's going to be rather difficult to, you know, all of a sudden learn all of those all of those skills at at the master's level, right? So I think learning how to do academic research, learning how to do uh, literature reviews, uh, you know, learning how to cite properly, um, and learning the different styles of citations, and and you know, I think those details might seem minute, um, but they are you know, quite um, profound and, and, and they can really 
uh, dictate how well you do, you know, in your own research, right? So I think there's a really good fundamental skills that one should uh, develop early on. Yeah. yeah, that's very interesting. It sounds like a lot of it is sort of left to young people to learn on their own or go figure yeah. it out by doing it yourself. That, yeah. that really brings me sort of to this question of, you know, students that once you get into grad school, and obviously you're speaking to your own experience more than others, but do you feel like mm. what's around you? Do you think grad students have a good work-life balance? And the ancillary to that, what's the social scene like at your university or department? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, well, the first question, uh, well, I'd have to say, not entirely, right? I mean, I, I certainly, you know, it's hard to speak for others, but establishing a work-life balance in any, in any, you know, profession or in any uh, kind of job is, you know, it's always difficult. But I think it's it's especially um, th there are some unique difficulties to uh, having a work-life balance when it comes to grad school, right? Because it's not a traditional nine-to-five, uh, you know, occupation. Um, it is something that sort of you take with you, you know, even when you go home, right? So it's uh, um, it's it's a real difficulty. I mean, I I struggle with it even even today, right? It's establishing a good work life balance. Um, so I mean, I have I'd have to say no. Um, but it is something that I think we all should work on, regardless. And and if you do get into grad school, um. I, like if I, if I were to sort of tell my like first year self, I would say, you know, set a, set a, a time aside just for sort of your own personal time to do, you know, the things that you enjoy, right? Whether it's hobbies or, you know, just sitting and reading something or, 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 or whatever, right? Or play sports, you know, whatever you like. So just, you know, make sure you set time aside, right? And if you sort of occupy your mind, you know, with school, 24 seven, I think that's a, that's a good recipe for, uh, for burnout really. And I, and I seen it happen. Uh, so yeah, I mean, balancing work and life is, is so important, um, and not often well done. Um, and if I can just sort of make a, a more grandiose point, if, if I could, um, I think there's this culture, you know, particularly in the West, which sort of pushes us to achieve excellence and to work hard and sleep less. And, you know, it's sort of become our, our own cultural ethos here. Um, but I think that is sort of quite detrimental to, to a lot of young people who sort of approach everything, including school, with that kind of mentality. And they just sort of burn themselves out, right? So, you know... Please, whether you whether or not you, um, you know you you write the, the the best dissertation or the best thesis, you know it's it's still you know your life is way bigger than that. So, you know, make sure you prioritize yourself and your family, you know, over everything. So, yeah, I think it's just it's, it's not a it's not a subject that that is not talked about enough. I I feel like, um, but when it when it came to uh, when it comes to your second question about the social scene. Yeah, in my own department, uh, and and remember, this is before you know COVID lockdown when we had classrooms in person. Right, um, long long a, ago. Yeah, long long time ago. Right, feels like centuries ago. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a very um, 
very cool, very, uh, very much close knit kind of community where, you know, we were friends right from the get go, the entire cohort, um, the master students and the PhD students, we would take the same classes and, uh, and we were able to form really close bonds and close friendships. Um, that extended beyond the classroom, right? And it was, you know, it was really, really great. Um, and I think um, some programs might have that, some might not, but my program happened to be uh, very much a, a close-knit community with strong camaraderie and togetherness, uh, which was really, really cool. Yeah, I think we should really highlight that last point about uh, work-life balance and the pressures uh, that yeah. sort of reminded me for one of our blog entries for Joe's um, on JustHairStoriesBlogspot.com. One of the youth wrote about work and productivity culture and mm-hmm. how now among young people, there's a lot of pushback now against that whole, you know, work and productivity culture. And that was one thing that just sort of my memory jogged there when you're mentioning it. So it's yeah. good that it is being critiqued among, you know, younger people and what they're being set up to do. So right. talking about that's a great segue to the next question. And I know that often part of the balance is the economic aspect, TAs. Um, and one of those aspects is the TA-ship, which for people don't know out there, grad students have to do these sort of odd jobs where they get paid aside from, because obviously you just don't get paid for being a student. And right. so I wanted to ask you for people that are curious out there, how much do you know grad students TA and what is that experience like for TA? And what are some other ways that you know uh, grad students make ends meet? Yeah, I mean, TA is, is um, I think, is a requirement for, uh, well, it depends on the program, but, you know, York is, is usually a requirement for, for the PhD level, uh, and some programs uh, demand it at the, at the master's level as well. Um, uh, in terms of, like, what it actually entails or how much work um, you're expected to, to do, it depends on how big the class is, but you know, for me, I had to TA an undergrad uh, class um, with hundreds of students, um, and I personally had uh, you know two classes or two sections of the same class, each about you know 20, 25 students, um, so fifty students total. So, so the the task essentially will be would be uh, for me to um, uh, to lead tutorials. Uh, as well as uh, grade papers and exams, right? So, so the tutorials are, um, for me, kind of a fun experience, right? So you get to go over the lecture material with the students. You get to go over uh, uh, the reading material for that particular class, and you get you have to, in a sense, lead a discussion among the ideas, right? So, I mean, a lot of TAs do it, you know, have their own style, um, but this is really a time, uh, I think, where you can engage the students and, um, and, and have a, you know, a discussion about various subjects. Um, so I think that the whole discussion aspect of being a TA is, is you know, is, 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 is pleasant. It's, it's, a, it's a learning experience. You learn and you also get to teach, you also get to share ideas and um it's it's one of the most rewarding aspects of of being a ta right engaging those kind of engaging with ideas and with the students and so forth um and you are expected to do some some grading as well which can be quite uh 
tiring and, and a bit tenuous at times. Um, but yeah, but that does come come with the job and uh, and the way that TAs uh, make ends meet is uh, you know besides from the TA, there are some you know fundings that the that, that the university provides depending on um, on the program. Um, and students usually also apply for uh, external and internal scholarship uh, like SHRC. Um, and uh, and other uh, provincial scholarships as well um, uh, to to help in their in their studies. But yeah, but but I think this I know some some grad students also work uh, part time um, while you know going to school full time, um, which you know which is which is a difficult thing to do. But uh, uh, but there are students who who do that as well. But and that's that kind of reminds me of the first uh, question, right? When it comes to you know looking up schools and, and requirements and so forth, is looking at what the kind of available funding that that the university provides or the the, the department uh, the program provides, right? Um, various departments and various universities have different uh, funding packages, so you know be sure to, um, to to have a full understanding of exactly what kind of funding is available before applying or before, you know, accepting if you, if you are admitted. Uh, yeah. Right. I think that's really insightful um, for young people to really keep their eyes open to the opportunities, even if those are not only educational, but also economic um, mm -hmm. opportunities. So let's move on to sort of the next question. Very quickly, hindsight being 2020, mm -hmm. aside from citations and all that jazz, mm -hmm. what do you wish you would have known or been prepared for entering into grad school? Well, I, I think it would be, uh, you know, developing a more, uh, you know, consistent um, uh, reading habits uh, when it comes to academic literature. Um I I I think um, in grad school we're sort of uh, we're introduced to you know brand new ideas and so forth, but you know most of the 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 text that you are asked to read has has been available for you know for a long time, and if I if I could go back, I would you know read my uh, my undergrad stuff more carefully um, right. and and more and more astutely um, than I did. Um, you know, in my in my grad school, right? Because you know, you're all, you, sometimes you find yourself reading the same thing, right? I read this, like for example, I'm looking at this Foucault book that I read for you know twice now, for three times, you know, and it's also a book that I that I read in undergrad, and I was like, oh man, I wish I had read this in undergrad, but you know, did it more carefully, mm. you know. So so when it comes to like all these sort of canonical texts that you you would uh, encounter in undergrad, just be sure to read it more carefully and more thoughtfully. Uh, and not just read it, you know, just so you can get an A, an A on a paper and then just move on, right? So, yeah, I think I would develop like a more consistent and and more, uh, you know, fastidious reading habits. Yeah, I think that's really great advice um, for the youngins out there. Yeah. Um, I heard that often people in grad school, they need sort of a big research idea and whatnot, and they're pivoting all the time. So I just wanted to ask you, um, is the research project the big one you're currently working towards? Is this one that you would have had in mind a few years ago? Did it change along the way, and what sort of pushed it? Uh, those changes, if so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question, uh, and I, I remember, you know, 
um, when I was doing my master's, you know, I had this, you know, research pr- proposal and, you know, which is something you have to submit when you're, uh, when you're applying. And when I looked at my thesis, it, it looked completely different. Right. right. And, uh, and I think one of the things to expect is like the, uh, your proposal or your initial research question or your re- recent, or your, uh, your research idea or whatever is not going to look the same once the, the actual project is done, right? The questions might change, the data might uh, might reflect something different from your hypothesis and so forth, right? So it's 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 bound to change. It's it's inevitable, right? Mm. Um, so it is sort of I would urge you to expect that and, and not be sort of shocked or disappointed, you know, uh, when when uh, when it takes a you know a turn. Um, yeah, for me, I, you know, the research question I had, you know, was very different from my own, uh, my initial proposal, right? Um, my initial proposal, or when I first thought about the idea, um, of, of my research, uh, I was more concerned about how, you know, university campuses as a space, as a political space, as a social space were sort of a key, um, uh, spaces that can provide insights as to how social movements are developed and uh, uh, and shaped, right? And what role in society that they have, right? And my research was supposed to, was going to be about some sort of historical analysis and, and comparative analysis as to how, you know, how universities have shaped social movements and, and, the, uh, and what ramification that has. Um, mm-hmm. But it kind of changed, right? Because the events uh, in the context of our society, you know, changed, right? So universities all of a sudden became sort of this hot contested spaces where, um, where you know, this unique question of free speech was beginning to to emerge in a kind of different way than than in than in previous times, right? So I was, you know, then I began to be a lot more interested in how it is that free speech is understood. What are these proper contours? How how do we re- regulate speech, and particularly how do we regulate that you know that speech within campuses themselves, and what possible ramification does that have for society at large, legally, socially, uh, uh, and and uh, you know politically as well. Um, so yeah, so it changed definitely from you know how social movements you know are formed to mm-hmm. Uh, to looking at the university space as a as a, uh, a key insight that can tell us a lot about the nature of s- speech regulation, right? And and what possible insight that that can provide for understanding larger debates around free speech, right? So you know, just just to sort of you know long winded way of saying how it progr- how it changed from one thing to the other right and i think that's going to be inevitable regardless of what kind of research you're doing um so yeah just be open to you know having your research question changed um having your analysis change um and even when you do like preliminary literature reviews your your research interests and questions might change as well right so you know i think it's it's it's, it's a good idea to to be prepared um uh for the, um, for all those variables to change. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like being adaptable and open-minded mm. are some qualities that would be fundamental to doing all right in grad school. Um, yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, I'm going to bundle the next couple of questions. We're almost at the end here for our listeners. I'm going to bundle the next two. What is one thing you would say you love most about grad school? And on the flip side, what is one thing that's not so pleasant about the grad school experience? Well, uh, the, the first question is, uh, um, let me give you t- my top two, um, like All right. one and one A. Um <laughs> One would be sort of the, the the camaraderie and sort of the community that's available, particularly in my program, right? I happen to have like a really good supervisor and a good collection of faculty and staff who are, who are so helpful. And of course, the other students um, whom I've sort of built friendships with and, and, and you know, they're just lovely people and, and it's sort of an, an amazing communal experience, right? And secondly, uh, or at least one A would be, you know, being a TA, right? I, I think I, I enjoyed that a, a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, mm-hmm. Engaging with, with students, uh, you know, um, reading their papers, engaging with their ideas, um, you know, and, and discussions and so forth. Um, I think has been an extraordinarily pleasant experience, uh, an amazing learning opportunity for me, right? I learned so much from them. Um, just, you know, just by being their TA, right? And and I think those two will be the things that I enjoy the most. Um, the thing that I, I don't enjoy so much is, you know, the workload can be uh, sometimes overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, you may have, uh, you know, we we're just talking, you know, off camera about, you know, comprehensive exams, and, which can be quite stressful. Um, you know, depending on, you know, at the PhD level, there are some, uh, most PhD programs have what's called a comprehensive exams, where you are expected to read a litany of, of books and be, you know, examined orally, and it can be quite daunting, right? And it can, you know, mm. it takes hours and hours to, you know, prepare, you know, to take those exams, right? Um, of course, you know, at the end, it's going to be, you know, very valuable to you, but, uh, you know, it's a, the workload can be, you know, it may seem insurmountable at times. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I think sometimes the workload can be can be rough. And um, also because the, another thing that, that I, I don't like so much would be sort of the time that it's so much, it's, it is very time consuming, right? So if you want to mm. you know, do, do a part-time job or whatever, I mean, you can, and some students do, but it is extraordinarily difficult to to find a time for, uh, you know, for a side hustle or, or what have you, right? So, so yeah, I think the time consuming nature of grad school, uh, is uh, yeah, is less than pleasant. I don't. I'm not going to say I hate it, right? Um, because this is a unique opportunity, and and it is it is uh, you know profound privilege. Um, but yeah, the workload. And then the time-consuming nature is uh, can be rough at times. Yeah, that's insightful, and it's important for people listening out there that they know, you know, what it entails. It's not all fun and games, uh, and yeah. prestige or profound. Um, yeah. Good. That brings me sort of to the final question, or it's really two parts. The first okay. is, you know, people they achieve this, go to grad school. What are some things they usually do after grad school, profession-wise or unique? Like, what's something unique I could do if I went to grad school per se? And what are some of your own personal future plans and use for you know having this uh, qualification? Um, 
Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think depending on sort of what level of of of, uh, of grad school you complete. Um, uh, for example, in in most social sciences, um, I know of a few students who sort of go into policy work or uh, work for uh, uh, think tanks um, and research institutes. Um, you know, those kinds of places are um, are are good. Uh, a good destination for, for grad schools. Um, but, you know, when you get to the PhD level, I think, you know, the most common aspiration is usually to just stay in academia. Um, so uh, most uh, people in my program uh, and the alumni from my program usually go into academia and, and go into teaching or go into research. Um, so, so that's usually the most common uh, stream um, I myself one day would like to um, go or stay in academia as well, um, uh, not for um, for the simple reason that I, I just find the classroom the most exciting place uh, in the world, and and uh, I don't think you can get that experience. Um, well, uh, maybe I should I should not be so uh, presumptuous, but I don't think you can get that experience as well in other places as you can in, in the academy, right? So, I mean, that's usually, that's my, my personal ambition, very, very high ambition, I might say. Right. All right. Um, fantastic. That's good to know. Um, and definitely for all the listeners out there, um, we hope that you have found it insightful. Um, this conversation about grad school and what it entails and the different things you can possibly look forward to if you do partake uh, down that path. Also, one more thing I may add, some people do, it's not PhD, but often after they do their master's, I hear there's a 10, 20% pay raise, whether they're working in government or corporate. So there is often a straight payoff that they do it for, um, just so people out there know. Uh, other than that, you can always check out these episodes on our Spotify, just our stories, uh, Joe's Youth at Spotify, or just our stories.ca has all the socials and whatnot. Follow, like, subscribe. And once again, thank you, Michael, for coming today and shedding some light on grad school for us. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. And we hope to catch everyone on the next episode later. Peace.